Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome into the Tuesday, atypical Tuesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is good to be with you, and we're here to, let's see, how should I describe this? Um, If you are somebody that actually believed what Lane Kiffin said yesterday, we're here to calm your nerves. That's a good way to put it. We're going to calm your nerves on this Tuesday. So welcome and glad you're with us. Uh, we will get Stephen's thoughts, too, on the, the win over Tennessee. We'll put the trash people throwing trash on the field thing aside and actually just talk about the football game. But first, Lane Kiffin said yesterday a couple of different times. He also, I think he slipped, too. I think he accidentally uh, said something he didn't mean to say, but uh, said that, Matt Crowell's in bad shape. I'm paraphrasing here. You know, we're hopeful that we play, but it's not looking good. Two separate occasions. You have the direct quote in front of you. It's okay if you don't. I'm pulling up his transcript. Sometimes I feel like they omit things or certain yeah. things from it. So but I'll try to see if I can find exactly what, what he you're... said. And, and the headlines went running. Lane Kiffin is not sure if Matt Corral's going to play. Uh, bad shape, uncertain, that kind of stuff. He said. Hopefully he will play, but I do not feel good about that right now. And that was talking about his 30-carry performance against Tennessee. Yeah. Also, later in the press conference, he said something along the lines of, yeah, people are going to show up and get to see Eli and Matt Corral play. (laughs) It's like, wait wait a minute, Lane. Yep, you get to see Eli Manning and Matt Corral, so Uh it'll be a pretty cool thing Saturday. (laughs) So... Hey, you could see him on the sidelines, technically. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he will be on the field. Uh, but there's a lot of ways to go here. First of all, I have no doubt that Matt Corral feels, forgive my language, I have no doubt that he feels like shit. That uh, I mean, 30 carries in physical, some of them, really physical carries, his ankles banged up, and... Um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that on Sunday he woke up feeling like crap. On Monday he probably woke up feeling like crap, and they're they're doing some work on the ankle and stuff like that. However, you would have to cut that dude's arm off to get him not to play in this game and any game on uh, this weekend or any game for the rest of the season. Even he, if even if that's the case, you better make sure it's his right arm. If it's his left, he's still going out there. He's slinging it with his right. Yeah, he'll, so. he'll just take the snap <laughs> yeah. one-armed and do it that way. Absolutely. It is uh, – I'm not going to call it a smoke screen. I think there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, when you heard the news, what did you think? I thought that that was very much a, a gamesmanship kind of quote yeah. there. And I heard you yesterday say that there's no way that for the first time since, since Lane Kiffin has been at Ole Miss – He's all of a sudden going to start bringing information to light 
as far as injuries go when it comes to your Heisman contending quarterback. No chance. His backup long snapper could have broken his leg in half in practice, (laughs) got shipped to the hospital, and the legs sewn back together, and if asked, his response would be, we hope he plays this week. Right. We've been kept in the, not just us, but... The media in general, fans, everyone is kept in the dark completely when it comes to these injuries. And now, all of a sudden, oh yeah, our our starting quarterback, you know, he's in jeopardy to play this Saturday against LSU. I I don't think that that's the case. Again, definitely there's some kind of lingering bumps and bruises, not just from the Tennessee game. He ran the ball a lot in the Arkansas game, took a lot of shots, got kicked in the face during the Arkansas game, so... Who knows? This could be a myriad of of lingering bumps and bruises, but nothing that's going to keep Matt Corral out of this game. Yeah, strong agree. He, I think he's going to play. I, for whatever it's worth, and you know, it's just secondhand information. That's kind of how this works. But this program is very tight lipped. I've heard he's practicing this week. Like it's not even in doubt. Somebody even went as far as to say to me that Kiff that. Corral practiced the morning Kiffin said that. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's... And maybe maybe this is... Maybe practicing means he's not going 100% or he's not in full pads one day or something like that. You give him a little bit of rest. Again, the, the guy ran the ball 30 times, what, what's today, Tuesday? Three days ago. So, yeah, maybe he gets a little bit of extra rest this week, but I don't think that means, oh, no, he's in danger of... Of missing Saturday's game. No, it's it's because he's going to play, and it seems like most people are seeing through that. So the question is why? I think it could be multiple things. The first thing that came to my mind was the LSU stuff, and it it doesn't appear right now that he's very high on the on the list. There's a lot of information coming out right now, and you know, there's still weeks before a hire is made, but it doesn't sound like. Uh, Woodward, the AD there, is going to have his way exclusively. Um, And there are candidates that are, according to everybody that covers the team, higher than Lane Kiffin, multiple. And I don't think LSU is going to be told no multiple times. Things change between now and when they actually will make the hire at the end of the season. However, that doesn't sound like something that you should be particularly worried about at the moment. LSU could lose out and they could still not get told no multiple times. Yeah, I I think they Sorry, go ahead. No, I I, I think they will not get told no. Yep. The only thing that would change that, in my opinion, is if the NCAA ever actually decides to, you know, do anything about the whole... Stealing money from children's hospitals, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't. Think I wouldn't they will. count on that happening before <laughs> this hire is made. No, it, it's not going to. But my first thought was he's trying to distract people from LSU, just to to not get people talking about it. Not because like he's the prime candidate or whatever, but just to avoid that being the conversation. It's LSU week. The LSU job is open. I mean, he's on the list because he's going to be on every list except for Washington State's because even the media can't even try to begin to tell you that that is is serious. But He is vaccinated, though, so that wouldn't be an issue if he went to Washington State. I almost made the joke on Twitter, wow, a coaching hot board that did not have Lane Kiffin's (laughs) name on it. That's a new one. But um, he's on the list because, of course, he is. He's a good football coach. You guys know it. Uh, I assume he has some level of interest in the job, and maybe that was his way. That was my thought: is maybe that was his way of diverting attention away from 
the LSU opening and stuff. Now there's this other story out there that everybody's going to talk about. Will his quarterback play? Will, will Matt Corral's hurt? Wait, whoa, what? A, wait a second. Nobody's sharing clips of him addressing the LSU stuff like they are Jimbo. They're all talking about Matt Corral. Pretty nice distraction. Yeah. But uh, I was listening to, to Neil and Chase this morning, and Neil made a really good point, actually. Um, on Saturday, Gary Danielson, everybody on the broadcast, when Matt Corral does something good, Lane Kiffin earlier this week wasn't even sure he was going to play. Mm. His ankle, he ran for <laughs> 30 carries against Tennessee was hobbling around the field and didn't practice this week. And look at what he's doing right the old now. Ben Roethlisberger. The old Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> Heisman promotion. Mm. Because that now, if and when Matt Corral plays well on Saturday, that's going to be the narrative. It's not only is he playing well, he's playing well through injury. He didn't practice. Hey, I mean, you saw when he went down in Knoxville and everybody in the stadium cheered, by the way. Oh, it's just a few fans, though, Stephen, that right. did bad things. Yeah, it wasn't course. the entire stadium going nuts when the quarterback got hurt. And there's a difference between and you know the fake injury thing. People have talked about that now already. But there's a difference between those and the star Heisman contending quarterback going down, hitting the ground, holding his ankle. That is clearly not a situation where you're trying to stop the clock. Well, they were celebrating it. They were happy exactly. he was hurt. Yeah, the, there's no reason for that. That's absolutely classless. And of course, you know that ranks. You know, it's crazy that you have to have a list of all the different things that went on in Knoxville, but that ranks pretty high on that list of of bad things that happened yeah. on Saturday night. But truthfully, I think Neil is more right than my first thought was. I think that's exactly what's happening here. I think he's narrative building. I think he sees an opportunity because right now, if Matt Corral continues to play like this, there's, I mean, he's the, he's the Heisman favorite right now. Yep. He would win today. He would win today. He would win the Heisman Trophy today if it was awarded today. He's narrative building. I think that was a really good point. I don't mean to uh, oversimplify something somebody else said earlier, but that was kind of his point is, He's narrative building, and I think that I think he nailed it. Yes, there is some truth to he is banged up. Clearly, he's banged up. How could you not be? The leggings he was wearing were ripped, and blood was coming out of his knees. I mean, he's hurt, obviously, but he's going to play. Mm-hmm. That's he's narrative building. Yeah, it's gamesmanship. <laughs> it's narrative building, and I freaking dig that. But anyway, no, and I was going to say all of these things can be true. It can yeah. be gamesmanship. It can, it can be narrative building. It can be a million different. It can be deflecting from the LSU situation. All of those things can be true. And the interesting thing about the narrative, at the end of the day, the Heisman Trophy is a lot about narrative. Yes, you don't give it to. Why players do you think on- Manti Teo finished second? was not because he was the second-best player in college football. It was because his girlfriend died. <laughs> and, again, if you don't know the story, that's why I'm laughing. There, there was oh, no I girlfriend. I hope everybody listening knows the story. So. There was no girlfriend. Yeah, I didn't mean she to just did not die. audibly laugh after that with no <laughs> We should context. just cut that out. His girlfriend <laughs> died, and you laugh. <laughs> but t- that's why he finished second, because right. he had a hell of a story. Yes. Overcoming the sadness of losing his girlfriend that never existed. Yep. And they don't give the Heisman Trophy to, to players on losing teams. Ole Miss is 5-1 and one right now. Again, you have the loss to Alabama. 
But if you keep winning, you keep building this narrative of a player that put his team on his back against Tennessee, against Arkansas to some degree. So, yeah, I I think that's got to be a big part of it. And now the Heisman talk, this is week seven? Week seven. Yeah. This is when this conversation no, starts wait. to— No, wait. Ole Miss is 5-1, and one, right? So they've played six games with a bye. So this is week eight. Okay. So, yeah, I, I forgot the bye week. So, yeah, week eight. This is when this conversation gets real. You know, we had a little bit of the Heisman talk those first three weeks. That's the first three weeks of the season. We are in the latter half of the season now, yeah. kind of sprinting towards the finish line. And if you string together a few more games like how Matt Corral has played against Arkansas— and I'll say the last three quarters of the Tennessee game, that's when you really kind of cement yourself as a finalist for the Heisman. Yeah, no doubt. I have no doubt. And he's got opportunities. He'll be on, I mean, CBS, he's got the CBS game this weekend on Manning Day, and then he's in Jordan-Hare next weekend. Yep. Saturday night. Yeah, prime he's time got there. a ranked A&M team coming to Oxford. They'll be... On Thanksgiving night, now the NFL has ruined uh, Thanksgiving Egg Bowls in terms of viewership because more people watch that, but still, that'll be a standalone college football game. Yep. Thanksgiving Egg Bowls were a bad idea regardless. Yeah, I can't stand them. (laughs) No, me either. Uh, But So he's got chances to to continue this, especially now that there's a little narrative uh, tied to it as well. Well, and, and the games that you mentioned, I'll throw the Liberty game in there. You know, whether or not... People are going to watch it. People are going to watch it and... From the quarterback standpoint, you have Malik Willis, who, fair or not, has been highly regarded as one of the top quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class. So when those two are on the field or on the same field, they won't be on at the same time, obviously. I think you'll have more eyes on that game other than just your, you know, your Ole Miss fan wanting to see Hugh Freeze back. So... I think that adds a little more spotlight to that game as well. Yeah, Liberty sucks, by the way. If you're one of those people that was actually worried about that game, you never should have been, but I hope you're not anymore because they suck. That loss to ULM last week kind of ensured that. But Pro Football Focus still thinks that Malik Willis should be the first quarterback taken. He's thrown, He threw three interceptions last week against Middle Tennessee and then three interceptions against Louisiana Monroe as a four-touchdown favorite. Anyway... So stop worrying about that game. But, yeah, I, there, there's truth to everything. I, I don't doubt that Matt Corral's not feeling good. Oh, you know he's going to play. Yes. He's going to play. Uh, they have to scheme a little differently, though. He can't run 30 times this week. No way. No I way. Think, and I don't, I don't think they'll let that happen either. No. I think Jerry on Ely coming back fully now from that concussion, I think that helps. I, don't, I can't remember exactly how many carries he got the not other many. night. It wasn't a lot. Uh, I think they were easing him back in. So you have your full, healthy backfield back, and I think that's going to play a big part in that. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they, with the receiver injuries, they go to some two-back sets mm-hmm. and stuff like that. There's just... My there's, triple option idea is still floating out there in the ether. Not a lot of depth there. And, I mean, Jacor Pearson dropped a... Yeesh. I mean, but he got open. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, he, he was open there. Uh, and separation's obviously an important aspect of it, but he had two... Mega drops. A couple penalties on him as well. Yeah. One on a what kickoff. A, one and, was a ticky-tack yeah. BS holding call, though. I, I don't I don't hold that one against him as much. But, yeah, I mean, he had a rough night. I'm interested to see if they start going to some two-back sets or just putting Ely in the slot and Connor in the backfield. Yep. Just lining him up in the slot and just rolling with it. One quick thing on, on Pearson, actually. After his final drop of the night, 
did you see Kiffin run out and kind of, you know, he helped kind of pick him up, hit him on the helmet and, you know, send him back out there. That that's one of the things that that we've talked about before that players love yes. Lane Kiffin. They trust Lane Kiffin. And right there, you saw it in that exact moment. So, just a really how, cool kind of quick thing there. How many coaches and a lot of them would have done what Kiffin did, but there's a whole lot that would have yelled and screamed yep. and pitched a fit, thrown their headset, whatever. It's a good point. Yeah, and you don't have to be Nick Saban. After you work for Nick Saban, you can take a lot of things from how he operates a program and little things here and there. Nick Saban's yelling at that kid after those mistakes. Lane Kiffin doesn't operate that way, and I think when people try to depict him or any other Saban assistant as this kind of second coming of Nick Saban, I don't think that's right to try and do that because each one still has their own style, or the good ones should. And that's why some of the Belichick assistants in the NFL fail, I think, because they try to just be Bill Belichick wherever they go, and it doesn't work like that. They're not, and they never will be. Right. The podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market for some office technology solutions, everything from copiers and printers to mail machines to uh, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, office technology, ABSMS.com is the website. Tell them that we sent you and get a complimentary office technology assessment. They service the entire state of Mississippi. Also, LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. In Oxford, it's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. You got a big weekend this coming, so spend your week behind the grill, get some stuff ready for the Grove, and enjoy yourself. And tell Greg that uh, we sent you get one of his daily lunch specials. Those are just Monday through Friday, but they're open seven days a week. So after you watch your team beat LSU, you want to grill out and watch some NFL football, you go get something at, uh, at LB's. All right, so... The people have already heard a little bit from me, anyway, about my thoughts on the game itself. So I'll, I'll just put you on a tee here. <laughs> Ole Miss beats Tennessee, does not give up a point in the fourth quarter. Matt Corral would have been the second 200-200 quarterback in SEC football history behind one Johnny Manziel. Crazy night, crazy atmosphere. Defense won the game? <laughs> yep. And that, that's where you have to start. It's Ole Miss found a way to win a game that in years past they 100% would have lost. With the way things were trending, you know, yep. you go up 24 to 9, offense hits a bit of a snag early in the second half. Tennessee grabs all of the momentum. They're able to move the ball pretty easily at times, but Ole Miss kind of rallied in that fourth quarter. And I think it was gut check time for that defense. You saw, I guess, now two weekends ago against Arkansas, they never really had that moment. And it all came down, obviously, to a, to a two-point conversion. They made the stop, quote-unquote, on a bad play design, kind of high throw, but they never had to make the stop necessarily. Right. Against Tennessee, they found a way to make those stops, make those plays down the stretch. Important thing you said there, stops. Yes, plural. Multiple. <laughs> yep, we've seen it from time to time of a stop here and there, but it never really looked complete. That fourth quarter was complete outside of, yes, yes, he was short, the Tennessee tight end, <laughs> but my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have to make it that close. Ugh. Fourth and 24 or 4th and 25 are not supposed to be easy to pick up. and They got 23 <laughs> and a half. 
got as close as humanly possible without actually picking it up. So I give a ton of credit to the Ole Miss defense, and I personally underestimated the return of Jake Springer, apparently. We saw him in the opener. He flashed. He made a huge difference. I thought that was more Louisville's offense not being quite what we expected. And, wow, did he really make that much of a difference? He absolutely did on Saturday night in Knoxville. Yeah, and that's why I kept talking about it's not necessarily the scheme. It's the personnel. The scheme works. It does, or it can work. And right now, Springer's really the only guy that can do what he can do. I don't think necessarily it's he's a good player, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He's not like going to be a first round pick here in a few weeks, you know. It's not like that. He's a good player though. Really good player. They just don't have many like him exactly. on that side of the ball and and that's what makes such a difference, but also they brought pressure. Yeah, well, and I the, I think him being back in the defensive secondary allowed for that pressure. I think they trusted their guys in the secondary more when he's back there. And that and of course they brought him up to the line of scrimmage sometimes. That freed that up and yeah, five sacks. So that was huge. Him three guys. Him returning was obviously big. Sam Williams was nasty and got pressure when he wasn't getting sacks, he was still getting pressure. That was a huge night for him and Mark Robinson. He's flashed all season. That was a complete football game. Yep. Those three guys. Matt Corral aside. You, you just got to put him aside. He put the team on his back and willed them to a win like an elite quarterback does, especially on a night where he didn't have his best stuff and he wasn't getting any help. The MVPs of the game, not named Matt Corral because he's the MVP of every game his team plays. Those three guys, Springer, Robinson, Williams, those guys won the football game for Ole Miss. Besides Macro. Yep. Mark Robinson, it, it's amazing. You mentioned his name when we were talking during camp. I had no idea who he was. I got to be honest. I, I, I researched you know, the roster. I, I did all my prep work, all that. Mark Robinson's name did not pop up into my head at all. And his story is really incredible, the way he got to this point. I've listened to some of his media availability. Sounds like a really good kid. And... He he continues to impress me. Each game he plays, he's putting it all together. He's a converted running back, so you can forgive him for not necessarily knowing the nuances of the position maybe early on, but he's really starting to come into his own. Him and Miles Battle and Tylen Knight, each game they at least make one play. Mm-hmm. And the the last two guys I mentioned obviously were offensive players when they showed up at Ole Miss. Miles Battle had a really big deflection at one point and yeah, I, I think they are continuing to grow and have a chance to – I'm trying to think of their ages. They should be there next year, right? I'll have to check on that. But I if, believe you're correct. Yeah, if they are, I think they could be legitimate pieces on that defense, whereas this year you're still seeing them – not Mark Robinson. He plays a lot, but the other two, I think they'll kind of start to see way more snaps than mm-hmm. they are currently. One issue with the game, they couldn't run the football. They really struggled to run the football – uh, I think it, yards before contact was like .8 in the game on carries by not Matt Corral, uh, which obviously worked out for them. But It's not sustainable. Not sustainable. Uh, so they protected Matt okay, and they definitely did well in the design run game. But that's a big area of concern. 
Is they, they could not effectively run the football and drops, too. Drops, my right. gosh. Drops and penalties. Uh, just it, Lane's right. He, he kind of hinted at it yesterday. Or was it late? Was it the Saturday press conference or the Monday one? I don't remember. He said Monday. it should have been – they should have really won that game comfortably, and they did not. Yep. They, yeah, they had a chance to win that game probably by a couple touchdowns and penalties again held them back. They should have won the Arkansas game more comfortably, but penalties held them back. So that is now an ongoing issue with this team. Penalties and drops. Mm-hmm. Which is some drops in the Arkansas game. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought the drops was going to be something that, uh, that this team was going to have to yeah. worry about, but it's bad. And then you go back to the running the football comment. That... I'm interested. They did it so well against yeah. a better front, or at least I right. thought. Maybe they're not. But well, and, and maybe it's it's an injury thing. I think during the game you had a couple guys go down. Yeah, the backup in and guards out. backup got hurt. Yeah, so that's never never a good thing. But especially late, that final drive, I wanted to see them pick up a first down and end that game. There was no reason that Tennessee should have gotten the ball back, and that's several times now. That's in the Tennessee game the Arkansas game, the Auburn game last year, and the Egg Bowl last year. All games where you have a chance to win the game on offense, the most dynamic offense in the entire country for most of the game until you need that final first down. At some point, it's going to come back to bite them. They have to find a way to pick up that final first down in some of these games. Hasn't bit them yet, but it could. It certainly could. Any other thing that, that you wanted to touch on before we get out of here in terms of that game or anything else on your mind? I think we kind of hit it. And, you know, again, everything else from the, the trash perspective has been said already. So I'm all set. We'll uh, we'll turn the page towards the LSU game on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, we'll probably do Thursday. So, yeah, we'll we'll hit all that on, on Thursday. Yeah, we'll see. Wardron's return, Manning Day. Yeah, there's a particular... 17-year-old that's going to be in town on Manning Day who happens to ha- to share that last name. So it's a big... Must be uh, interesting to see your last name painted in the end zone. Yeah. No not, pressure, kid. No, of no course No pressure not. at all. Uh, so big, big day for a lot of reasons. Um, they need a big atmosphere. The, people are clamoring about the sellout thing. I know the Arkansas game didn't. There's like 3,000 tickets available right now. The game's going to sell out. Like, it's going to be an incredible crowd. It's going to be a great day. Like... This is not the same lead-up that Arkansas, there was like 8,000 tickets available at this point of the week. They're going to get them out. I did think from the— They're going to get them out. From the injury standpoint, though, a little interesting to say our starting quarterback, our Heisman contender, may not play while you're trying to push for a sellout. Yeah. A little interesting. But he did mention that, too, yesterday, now that you say that from an atmosphere perspective. He said that, you know, he that they felt— the energy inside of Vaught-Hemingway Stadium when he was with Alabama in 2014 for the loss there, he said that he hasn't felt that yet. I think he is still pushing for more and more fan engagement. You, yeah. you can see all of that on social media, that people are invested and they're excited. I think that needs to show up a little more inside the stadium. No and doubt. I think it will this weekend. Yeah, and they're going to sell it. Don't worry about it. They're going to sell the game out. <laughs> all all of those 3,000 tickets or whatever's left, they're, they're going to get out. It'll look great. Anyway, we'll talk to you on Thursday, getting you ready for Coach O's return. He's been back a lot, but the final 
Coach O returned to Oxford. We'll talk to you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.